Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that we're going to spend our time meditating on this morning and going to be the basis for our message is from Genesis chapter 2. I'll be reading that little section that we have from Genesis chapter 2. It is printed for you in your worship folder. Genesis chapter 2 verses 4 through 7. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. So I invite you to have that open in your worship folder or in a Bible, on your phone, however you'd like to be taking a look at it so you can follow along with that message. I also want to direct your attention to this insert, the listening guide that was available for you in the worship folder this morning. Uh, That may Uh, contain helpful information, has a fill-in-the-blank outline, and may be useful as we make some of the main points that we'll be making, as well as some next-step questions, further thought questions, so you can take this message deeper into your week and into your life. As I said, we'll be focusing this morning on Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, which says this, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. This is the word of our Lord. Naturalism, postmodernism, theism, pantheism, it's a whole lot of isms, isn't it? That's a tongue twister for me to say that. And maybe it seems like it's going to be a bore fest for you. But I can assure you this is not philosophy class this morning, but we are going to talk about your worldview. The way that you look at this world in which you live, the way that you perceive everything that goes on around you, how you make sense of it, how you understand it all. And your worldview is really important. Because your worldview is going to give you the why behind everything. In fact, worldview is why some really politically frustrated people this week stormed our nation's capital and broke into a building that they weren't supposed to be in. And as misaligned or skewed as that worldview might have been, that was why they did that. Your worldview gives you the why when you choose to raise a family. It's the why behind the way that you engage at work and how much effort you put into it and how you feel about it. Your worldview gives you the the why to all the questions that you might answer, that you might ask of yourself in this world. Your worldview is why you would agree that human life 
matters. It's why you feel that the person sitting right next to you right now matters. And why your neighbor matters and why you matter. Because your worldview is going to answer some incredibly deep, big questions. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to ask these big, deep questions. We're going to ask questions like the one we're asking today. Where did I come from? Our origin. It answers questions like, what's my purpose, meaning in life? What is good morality? And where am I going? Destiny. Over the next four weeks, we're going to tackle each of those questions. And what I want to do is I want to present to you a biblical worldview and how a biblical worldview answers those questions. And I want to present and posit for you a biblical worldview, not, not necessarily a Christian worldview, because as much as we would like for those two things to always be the exact same, sometimes they're not. And so I want to present to you a biblical worldview, and I want you to think about it. Think about it logically. Think about it rationally. I want you to think about the implications and the consequences of that worldview. And now some of you who are here today, some of you who are listening, watching this, you may not agree with a biblical worldview. You may have a different worldview. Or maybe you don't know if you agree with and accept a biblical worldview. And then maybe some of you, you know that you do agree with a biblical worldview, but you don't really know why. And so here's my invitation. My invitation to you as we talk about what a biblical worldview is to think, to think about it. To think rationally and logically and think about the implications and the consequences and think about whether it is a comprehensive and cohesive way to look at the world. And maybe that seems like a dangerous, intimidating invitation. But here's what I want you to know and to understand. To be a Christian, to be a believer, and to have a biblical worldview does not mean that you need to check your brain at the door. Now certainly there are many things that we do accept by faith and we take on faith. But I hope that you will see as we present this biblical worldview that it is rational, it is logical, it is reasonable. As you think about the implications and the consequences of such a worldview that you discover that it is comprehensive and cohesive. And I really hope that you will find the joy that is there in this biblical worldview. And so I am thrilled. I am excited. Even if you don't share that worldview with me today, I am excited if you will allow me to present it and you listen and to think about it. And I'm so excited because as I said, I truly believe that 
Joy is tied to your worldview. And hopefulness, too. And things like peace. And whether you have it in your life. And your understanding and your definition of richness. All of that is tied to your worldview. And so I pray that throughout the weeks of this series, you are going to see how a biblical worldview gives you undeniable peace. It gives you unimaginable hopefulness and unfathomable joy. And so as we begin to talk about this worldview, we really got to start at our origin. Where do we come from? That's really the bedrock and the foundation for any worldview that you have. And if your worldview can't answer that question, it can't answer the question of where you come from, it's going to leave you with a lot of unanswered questions. It's going to leave you with a lot of unanswered questions that are going to cause fear and concern in your life. And so to answer this question of our origin, we're going to start in the beginning. At the beginning, not just of humanity, but the beginning of this entire universe. We often think about the, the Bible as a big, really long book. But really, the Bible, it's a collection of books and other kinds of writings, a collection that spans over 1,600 years of different various authorship, all with a cohesive theme that they share that runs throughout that collection. And the very first book in that collection of books is the book of Genesis, beginning in Greek. And so that's where we're going to start. We're going to start in Genesis. You may know, you may remember Genesis chapter 1. It gives us this broad overview of how the universe came into being. And then Genesis chapter 2 actually goes back and it fills in some of the details. And so today we're going to look at Genesis. Chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 4 where you hear this. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So the Bible declares, and a biblical worldview says, that everything that we see, everything that we experience in this world, everything about which we speculate, everything that amazes us and causes us awe and wonder, and everything that we want to study and we want to learn from, and everything, everything that amazes and astounds us, all of it was made by this divine supreme being. And it was made deliberate in its design. That, that everything that you see and experience, I mean, think about the most breathtaking view you have ever seen in nature. For me, it was when I was in Montana and I got to go to Glacier National Park and to see those majestic mountains and the forests that surround them and the pristine lakes at the base. Whatever it is for you, that, 
most impressive sight that you have ever seen in nature. A biblical worldview tells you that that was deliberately designed by an almighty, divine, supreme being. Deliberate in its creativity and its majesty and its wonder. And as you look at verses 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5, they just really tell us that the, the full natural order of things wasn't quite completely in place yet because humanity wasn't around. And this gets a little bit at next week, but it tells us that there was a distinct, definite purpose for humanity right from the start. And then we hear what this divine being did next. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Now I know that there are a few of you out there, but I'm asked this question. Raise your hand. How many of you are Lego creators? You can raise your hands nice and high. Be excited about it. Hey, thank you. I'm one too, and... My son, he just got into Legos. You know those little colorful little bricks that you can snap together, you can piece together, you build things, right? Legos. So my son, he just got into Legos like this last year. And I think it's just brought back for me the nostalgia of my nerdiness when I was a kid. Because I loved Legos. I had the giant under-the-bed storage bin full of Legos, right, that I could pull out, I could play with. I even subscribed to the Lego Kids magazine. Did you even know that they had one of those? Yes, there is a Lego magazine. Well, maybe they don't have it anymore. But they had a Lego magazine, and I subscribed to that thing because I loved building with Legos. And so it's been exciting to see my son get into it. And Christmas, of course, brought several new Lego sets into our house that my son Aiden could put together and build. It's really exciting for me, but I'm really anticipating the next level in the Lego fanatic timeline. Okay? Because it's one thing to build and to follow those step-by-step directions and build what's on the front of the box, right? But the best thing about Legos is when you can take those pieces, a big pile of pieces in front of you, and then from your own creativity and the object of your own design, you can build something that you've created and you've designed, right? You can take that, that piece, that pile of pieces that lies in front of you that doesn't look like anything, and you can create something in which you are excited, which you are proud of. The Bible tells you that the Lord God formed humanity. He, he constructed humanity piece by piece. He took this, this pile of dirt and mud in front of him and he formed it together creatively, deliberately, for a purpose. With a unique design. He intricately pieced humanity together with care. That's what the biblical worldview expresses to you. That you are God's own creative masterpiece. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made, as Psalm 139 tells us. That you are a masterpiece of God, designed specifically 
by his own hand. Now, do any of you know what the world's largest Lego set is that has the most individual pieces in it? Now, if you said something from Star Wars, like the Death Star or the Star Destroyer or the Millennium Falcon, or you said the Harry Potter castle or the Disney castle or even the Taj Mahal, you're close. Those are all in the top 10. They have about 4,000 to 7,000 individual pieces with them. But in November of this past year, November 2020, Lego released the Colosseum of Rome. Has 9,036 Lego pieces. Takes about 30 hours to build. 9,036 Lego pieces. Now, I'm not the greatest with human anatomy, but I did some research and I studied. The human body has 79 different organs, 206 bones, about 600 muscles. It has a nervous system that if you laid it all out and stretched it out, could stretch for 37 miles. And the latest estimate is that there are around, somewhere, 30 trillion cells in your body. And not a single one of those is static, but they change, they grow, they develop, they mature, they replicate, and they sustain life. And your God pieced together all of that. Your God, he created you with all of that. And a biblical worldview tells you who that grand designer of that magnificent body that you have really is. Now, if I purchased that Roman Colosseum Lego set, and I took that box, and I went into my living room, and I opened it up, and I dumped out all 9,036 pieces, and I laid them on the floor, and I walked out of the room... How likely is it that when I walked back, the Colosseum would be there in all of its detail? I want you to think rationally and logically about the worldview that you live in. And to ask the question, does it take faith? And if you, if you don't have this biblical worldview, which we would talk about, yes, there's faith involved. If you have a different worldview, does, does it take faith? Do you hold to a worldview that believes that humanity came about by this incredibly long, crawling process of cosmic and biological accident and trial and error? So that finally it resulted in this functioning species with intelligence and creativity? Now, science is a tremendous blessing to our world, isn't it? It helps us in our abilities to communicate and to work efficiently and proficiently. It helps us to provide care for people who are sick and in need of healing. And it extends life, fights diseases. But science also has some major limitations. 
There are some questions that it can't answer. It can't fill in all of the gaps, and it really has a very difficult time looking backward. And so some of the worldviews that are out there that are founded upon science, they also take faith. Your worldview takes faith. Is yours faith in the right thing? The biblical worldview provides even more than just telling us about this grand designer and creator. Verse 7 continues and it says, God breathed into his, mankind's nostrils, the breath of life. And the man became a living being. This elevates you above mere mammal status. There is something special and significant about humanity. We would talk about how human beings have been given a soul. God breathed value into you. God breathed value and worth into who you are, into all of humanity. And because of this breath of God, this gives us the foundation for saying that everyone matters. No matter what color bricks you've been made out of, no matter what your physical geographical origin story is, everyone matters because everyone has value and worth. Because your greater origin is found in the breath of the divine. By God's deliberate creative process, he sees goodness and beauty in you, his masterpiece. And so your value, your worth, when you understand a biblical worldview, your value and your worth is not something that you need to find as you look inward and you look at your own accomplishments and successes in life. And it's not something that you need to find as you look outward and you get the approval of others, but rather your value and worth is something you find when you look upward. When you look at the one who has designed the very stars in the sky, the creator who has created you in all of your magnificence. And not only does the biblical worldview answer this how of your origin, but it tells you even more about the who behind your origin. When I read before from Genesis chapter 4, just those four verses that we had, Genesis chapter 2, excuse me, those four verses that we had, you heard a name three different times, this title, the Lord God. The Lord God. The Lord God. And in Hebrew, it, I would have said Adonai Elohim. See, not only philosophy class today, you get Hebrew class too. Isn't it exciting? It's great. Right? Adonai Elohim. Two very important words for God. I'm going to talk about the second one first. Elohim. Elohim is a word for God that emphasizes his supernatural divine power. It tells you that your God is almighty and impressive in his power, that he has the ability to operate outside of the laws of this natural world, and that he has created you with that incredible divine power. But the next word might even be more special. Adonai. 
In fact, that word is actually the word that we get our words. If you ever heard these English words, Yahweh or Jehovah, if you ever heard those words, they come from that word that I said Adonai. We say Adonai because we don't actually know how it's supposed to be pronounced, and that's why we get Yahweh or Jehovah. That's where they come from. But it's a word that emphasizes that not only is God powerful and mighty, but that God is full of love and faithfulness. It's a word that here emphasizes that when your creator created you, he created you out of love. He is faithful to you. He desires a special relationship with you. The biblical worldview reminds you that this supreme, divine, almighty, powerful God loves you dearly. He is full of care and concern for you. And he watches over you daily. That too is part of a biblical worldview. Origin. Where do we come from? And my invitation to you is to ask the question if your worldview provides a satisfying answer. When it comes to your origin, the biblical worldview gives you a beautiful, hopeful answer. It gives you the promise of your origin story and reminds you that you are a masterpiece that God has put together. That he has crafted you creatively, deliberately, and that he is full of care, concern, and love. That's your origin story. Amen.